It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Arizona Cardinals have a hell of a test coming up on Sunday when the Buffalo Bills come into town fresh off their convincing victory over Seattle in Week 9. And the Cardinals are kind of limping into Sunday after kind of getting brought back to earth a little bit after their loss to Tua and the Miami Dolphins. Something's got to give. One thing that doesn't have to give, though, is my love for Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. It's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching, and go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. The secondary of the Arizona Cardinals is going to have to step up with Byron Murphy back if they want to come out with a victory on Sunday against the Bills. That's your Lockdown Cardinals lead story. I'm Alex Clancy with Bo Brock. Sure, against the Miami Dolphins, the Arizona Cardinals weren't at full strength with their DB core. Let's put it lightly. Byron Murphy was on the COVID list. Drake Kirkpatrick was out. And they had guys like Jace Whitaker, man in, man in the station, and were completely picked apart by the rookie to attack of Iowa in his second career start in the NFL. Bo, with Byron Murphy back, Jonathan Joseph now on the roster, do you see the Arizona Cardinals as capable of slowing down this high-powered passing offense of the Buffalo Bills? I mean, the biggest piece here is Byron Murphy coming back, the second-year corner, you know, second-rounder out of Washington in 2019. And he's shown growth this season so far. And we saw last week that with Murphy out of the lineup and – the lumps that they've already taken in that defensive secondary, that it was just too much to overcome, even against Tua Tugna-Levea. This week, the challenge gets even tougher with, with Josh Allen. You know, I like the addition of Jonathan Joseph, not from just like the the aspect of like he's going to come in and be your shutdown corner for the first time since maybe Antonio Cromartie. Um, but no, just because he's a guy that's seen Jonathan or Josh Allen in action this season when Tennessee beat the Bills earlier this year. So I think that he can, you know, a 15-year veteran, he just has knowledge of Allen, of the Bills, of playing in big games. He's seen it all, and he can maybe add serve as a mentor. But still, you know, he's just like Drake Kirkpatrick. When opposing quarterbacks throw his way, they're completing at a very high percentage and, and, and kind of picking apart. But I think he does serve a purpose, and it's going to have to be just flooding the position by numbers and then having guys like Patrick Peterson and Byron Murphy make the big plays and we're we're hoping that Murphy continues to evolve in that aspect. Yeah, I mean this is the year where they're kind of trying to figure out if if Byron's going to be the guy. You know, as you mentioned, like Patrick Peters is not going to be around forever. Are they going to have to use another first round pick on a on a uh, cornerback? What we do know and uh, Bo, I think you agree with me here is that you can't just bring in guys that can't make other rosters just because they were a they were a high-functioning cornerback at one time. You know, they're collecting guys like that. You know, Prince of Mukamara can't make the active roster, and you have Drake Kirkpatrick, and now Jonathan Joseph, who's in his mid-30s, and couldn't stay on 
a roster for a defense that wasn't very good. So at some point, and he's shown flashes that if Byron Murphy can be the guy alongside Buda Baker with the safety and and cornerback positions, the Cardinals will you know supl- will place themselves in a pretty good spot with the secondary. But if not, this is going to be the rest of the year test. And yeah, and, and it's it's. He again. We've seen flashes, like we saw flashes from Buda Baker last year. If Byron Murphy can continue to take the leaps necessary in an effort to be trustworthy uh, as an outside corner, slot corner, then uh, the Cardinals will be in pretty good spot. Cardinals will be in a pretty good spot, but it's yet to be seen in its entirety if he's able to do that. No, I mean you're right. I mean, as far as cornerbacks are concerned, their shelf life is almost as short as running backs in this league, and they're always standing on the edge and the cliff of productivity. You know. One season they're great, and then the next season they, they fall off that cliff. And, you know, that's why when you look at Patrick Peterson and what his future is in, in Arizona, it's so cloudy because once you hit that age of 30, you know, you are you could still be good. You can still know how the, the angles to play, and you, you, you can figure out how to, on you know, any given play, maybe win one-on-one matchups, but you're not as consistently a shutdown guy as you once were, and that's, you know, Prince Mukamara and Jonathan Joseph guys that were, you know, good corners in this league were available for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, it's, it's not an enviable situation to be in, especially when you got a daunting task of slowing down one of the better passers in the league now. And Josh Allen, I mean, you've got to have a guy and it looks like he can be back in the lineup and Byron Murphy, who's got fresh enough legs. He's athletic enough to keep up with the array of wide receivers that are going to, he's going to have the assignment of covering. It's, you know, that Patrick Peterson's going to have Stefan Diggs, but then you've got the guys that you keep talking about, Alex and, and uh, Cole Beasley and John Brown. You know, there are guys in, in this Buffalo lineup that are burners and will make your life a living hell in the defensive secondary. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Locked On Cardinals. Coming up right after the break, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills is going to join us. We're going to do our crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to ask him about Josh Allen. We're going to ask him about the lack of running back efficiency for the Bills so far. And we're going to ask him about the wide receivers that Bo just mentioned. Coming up next, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But first, Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshing you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watchers. And also another sponsor we'd like to welcome back, DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone's craving Froyo. There's something for everyone at DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right now, right to your door, and ordering's easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get 5 bucks off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's five. 
and zero delivery fees on your first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. Don't forget, that's code Locked On for five bucks off your first order with DoorDash. It's Thursday, so that means crossover edition on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Locked On Cardinals, Joe Marino, Locked On Bills. Now, Joe, I'm going to get right into it here. The Cardinals and the Bills are coming off two very different experiences from Week 9. The Buffalo Bills seem to be getting back to their winning, ball-hucking down the field, high-scoring ways, uh, taking care of Seattle and their terrible secondary. And the Cardinals uh, saw the birth of Tua Tagovailoa as a viable NFL quarterback. Um, this game is big for both teams for myriad reasons, but differing reasons as the foundation. The Bills are ready to supplant New England as the one seed in the AFC East, and the Cardinals are trying to right the ship before their somewhat murderous row of a schedule for the last half of the season. Coming into this game, where is your confidence level in Josh Allen to win the majority of big games for the rest of the season? Well, I think with with Josh Allen, who's having a really good season and has shown a lot of growth to this point in his career, I think last week against Seattle, really, I mean, to be quite honest, outdueling Russell Wilson was a big step in gaining that confidence that Josh Allen can meet these moments and that he can go toe-to-toe with upper echelon quarterbacks. And so I think that was a big step for Josh Allen in gaining confidence and, and belief in, in him and the football team to be able to meet these moments. Obviously they having a good year. They're seven and two. They're coming off of a 10 and six season. So the bills have definitely flipped the narrative when it comes to the last 20 years of Buffalo bills football. And so it's all about Josh and, and him continuing to check boxes and meet moments. But when you have the performance you do against Seattle and really outduel Russell Wilson, I think it was very important to gain that confidence that, Josh Allen is a gamer and he can meet these moments. And uh, obviously, you know, we still want to learn more about Josh and, and uh, you know, the type of ceiling he has in the NFL, but really, really nice step for him to uh, outdoor Russell Wilson last week. Yeah. Josh Allen have a fantastic season. We're seeing his completion percentage at a career high level at uh, what 68% on the year and the bills they're four and 13 when Allen completes less than 60% of his passes during his career including a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs this season. How are teams, how can they be successful and maybe causing Allen to become inaccurate? Well, you know, one thing that I, I love to talk about, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to mention this, is that I think there's a big misconception about completion percentage and it being an, an accuracy metric. In fact, uh, I love this quote from David Cutcliffe, the head coach of Duke football. He worked, obviously, with both Peyton and Eli Manning. He was asked about accuracy based on completion percentage, and his quote was, those are completely two different things. There is accuracy, which is the physical mechanics of putting the ball where where you want it all the time, time and again. What people don't understand is that it's just a small portion of completion percentage. Completion percentage is pre-snap reads. When you become a master of a pre-snap read, you have a much better chance of having a completion. You have post-snap reads, where you know where you want to go. You not only know where and when, because it's going to happen on time. You have to understand why I'm making certain throws. So I I think there is this perception in the football discussion world that we measure accuracy with completion percentage. And like Coach Cutcliffe outlined there, I think that they're very different metrics and only a small portion of measuring accuracy can be 
identified within a completion percentage metric. And so you mentioned that Josh Allen has 17 starts with a sub 60% completion percentage. I think it's very important to be mindful that 10 of those came as a rookie in 2018 when everybody knew he was a raw quarterback coming out of Wyoming. Six of them came in 2019 and only one came this year. And that was against the Chiefs in a game that was played in a in, in the rain. And you mentioned that Josh Allen is having a really good season in totality when it comes to completion percentage, 68.9% of his passes have been completed, which is sixth best in the NFL. I think when you look at Josh Allen's on target percentage this year in 2020, it's 81.4%, which is the third best in the NFL. So to kind of use a buzzy phrase here, takes about Josh Allen being inaccurate are inaccurate. He has improved tremendously when it comes to accuracy. And I don't think it's a really relevant talking point based on the player we've seen for nine games this year and the overall path that he's been on since he's entered the NFL. So I don't think Cardinals fans should be expecting an inaccurate quarterback on Sunday, despite some of the narratives that have existed with Josh Allen throughout the course of his career. Right now, we're talking about Josh Allen, who is fourth when it comes to the best odds to become the NFL MVP this year, trailing only Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. So if you're expecting an inaccurate quarterback on Sunday, that's that's not Josh Allen. That may have been him in the past. It's not been the player he is this year. And uh, whether it's been pressure, no pressure, blitz, no blitz, play action, no play action, getting it out in under two and a half seconds, holding on the ball for over two and a half seconds, Josh Allen's proven he's accurate. Joe Marino locked on Bills. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock locked on Cardinals. Crossover Thursday here ahead of an incredible matchup for both teams, for the future of both organizations. Uh, the The Bills are now devoid of any real threat from the New England Patriots for the first time in two decades. And the Arizona Cardinals are trying to place themselves in a relevant spot ahead of, you know, the playoff push for the rest of the season. Joe, I want to pivot here to the backfield, not named Josh Allen. The Buffalo Bills average 100 yards rushing per game, which is towards the backside of the uh, of the NFL. Josh Allen is is responsible for a quarter of that. If you look at the AFC projected playoff picture right now, and these teams will make the playoffs, just depends on what order. You have the Bills, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Ravens. Those four, those are cold weather places. And if you can't run the ball in cold weather, having success is much more difficult. With Devin Singletary and Zach Moss back there, what's been the issue rushing the ball? Is it is it offensive line push for, for run blocking? Is it just scheme with them throwing the ball because they have so much trust in Josh Allen and the matchups with your speedy receivers on the outside in the slot? Or is it a mixture of both? I think the biggest thing is that the Bills are a pass-heavy offense. They don't want to run the ball. Their their script is throwing the football. And, you know, even Pete Carroll seemed to be surprised by that last week where he was surprised when he actually said that the Bills completely abandoned the run. No, they didn't abandon the run. It's just not what they do. Um, which, look, you make a fair point there. And I've said this on the podcast a ton to my listeners that, look, I do have concern about running the football late in the season because it is important. We know that that's the story of late season football in the NFL. It's the story of postseason football in the NFL. You have to be able to run the football. I think I'd be more concerned if it was a bigger emphasis of what Buffalo wants to do. Um, but that hasn't been the script for nine games. It was against New England a couple of weeks ago where they ran the ball 38 times and threw it 18 times. But the wind conditions were 20 to 40 mile an hour all game long. And you had, uh, you know, some wet conditions as well. So the Bills want to be a pass heavy team. It's what they do best offensively. And I think when you bring this to a game against Arizona, a game indoors, you know, the, the, the 
environment is going to be perfect for the Bills script when it comes to wanting to be pass heavy. So I think it's a long-term concern. The Bills need to prove that they can run the ball when they have to. But, you know, I don't know that this is a week where it'll be a big emphasis, despite I think Arizona's giving up the six most yards per carry in the NFL. So you may see them want to attack the run a little bit here, but it's just not been their script. So I think when you look at the volume statistic there, I don't think that it tells the story because I really think it comes down to the Bills want to throw it. The defense first four turnovers from an MVP candidate in Russell Wilson last week, uh, but it's been a drop-off defensively from Buffalo from last season to this season, top three and 19 to barely a top 20 performance so far this season. What's kind of the ailing this top defense and maybe what would their game plan be against a guy like Kyler Murray? Yeah, there's no question. This defense is not the one that we've seen the last couple of years in Buffalo. I think in particular early in the season, the struggles were there like a lot of teams in the NFL where defense just seemed to be behind the eight ball in this, uh, in this strange year. Uh, the Bills have had a lot of injuries when it comes to the defense, and you've had a lot of new pieces that were playing bigger roles than anyone expected. Over the last three weeks, the, the defensive performance has definitely picked up, um, and the health of the defense has picked up. Outside of Matt Milano, who's a key linebacker who won't be available this weekend against Arizona, you know, the team is mostly healthy. So uh, I think when you've suffered the injuries that they've had, when you've had a lot of new pieces working together, it's taken time for them to – step up their game. And I don't think that they're quite yet out of the weeds when it comes to answering questions about the defensive performance. Uh, but we know that this coaching staff, we know that this personnel has been a part of a top three defense in 2018 and 2019. All the elements are there. They just have to get healthy and then just get more comfort playing under these circumstances this year. Uh, again, there's been good trajectory over the last three weeks, but yeah, I think in totality, there's a bigger question to be answered here in terms of them finding themselves. Now, when you mentioned, playing up against uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a tough ask, right? I mean, he's so dynamic as a runner. He's so dynamic as a thrower. And so in my research and in trying to come up with my best ideas for stopping Kyler Murray and keep in mind, if these were the best ideas, maybe I, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. This is what I kind of came to in, in really researching him and thinking about the bills and some of the success they had last week against Russell Wilson um, they blitzed Russell Wilson a ton, 20 of 46 dropbacks, and that was really good for Russell Wilson. But I don't think that's the right plan against Kyler Murray. Uh, in studying Murray, I think that he really likes that quick chaos right on top of him. And I think as a defense, you have to be careful not to give that to him. And, and it's not a, a week that you want to blitz a bunch. You want to get after him. You want to create pressure like you do on every quarterback, but it's discipline within your pass rush lanes. And, uh, and, and you, you just get the sense that Kyler wants you to get closer and closer and closer to him so that he can use his quick twitch agility, his elusiveness, his, uh, you know, all those really special traits that he has to, you know, make people miss and, and extend plays and make throws and, of course, take off as a runner. So I think the keys are, you know, organic pass rush and then zone coverage behind it. You have to be disciplined with your pass rush lanes, disciplined with your zone coverage drops. And I think zone is really important, not only because of the spacing that I think you need to be disciplined with on the back end, but when you're in zone coverage, you have eyes in the backfield. And we know Kyler Murray is so dynamic as a runner. If you give him man coverage, I think that's just inviting him to take off. And then, of course, use his uh, tremendously accurate arm to to make you pay for that. So zone coverage, not much blitzing, find ways to get organic pass rush within your pass rush lanes. And then one other thing that I want to mention here is I've studied Kyler and getting ready for this game. You know, I, I look back to when he maybe didn't have his best games this year. And obviously Dallas stands out where Kyler was nine of 24 for 188 yards and two touchdowns. 
Dallas blitz him on six of 28 dropbacks. And, and, you know, look, he, he wasn't a, he, he didn't, he didn't get the blitzes that I think he likes to get. And then you look at the Dolphins game last week where they played a ton of man. They played a ton of they, – they sent a ton of blitzes at him. You know, when he was blitzed, Kyler stands back there, 12 of 16, 205 yards and three touchdowns. When they didn't blitz Kyler, he was 9 of 10 for 78 yards. I think you want to force Kyler to play within the structure of the offense. He wants the live bullets flying at him. Don't give him the chaos that he invites. So those are my ideas when it comes to dealing with Kyler and an outstanding Cardinals offense. Joe Marino, Locked On Bills, and Draft Dudes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Alex Clancy, Bob Rock, Locked On Cardinals. On the other side, it is Joe's turn to ask us the question he's that he's interested in finding out about the Arizona Cardinals from 1-53 to 53 that they're going to put out on game day. Alex Clancy, Bob Rock, Locked On Cardinals. Joe Marino, Locked On Bills. More next on a crossover Thursday in the Locked On Podcast Network. First, I love talking about these guys, Built Go. Built Go is the solution to breaking through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. Picture five-hour energy without the crash. Picture a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. There's three flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate, mint. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined by Bo Brock and Alex Clancy, the fantastic hosts of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Going to continue our discussion here when it comes to this Week 10 matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Arizona Cardinals. And Alex, I want to start with you. Uh, I still find this Cliff Kingsbury hire to be pretty fascinating and, and polarizing, right? I mean, pretty unsuccessful at Texas Tech, but he gets the chance to take over the Arizona Cardinals. And I want to know what have you learned about Cliff Kingsbury since he's taken over as a head coach in Arizona? How has he involved? How is he doing from a leadership perspective, establishing culture, game day management, get us up to speed on what's happening with Cliff in the NFL. There's one thing we do know for sure. He's got a killer living room and he doesn't wear socks when he wears house (laughs) shoes. Uh, We do know two of those things are for sure. He's an Instagram model uh, magnet. It seems like he hasn't had a carb since 1996 whatever stepbrother line you want to use. No, so Cliff Kingsbury was a pre-calculus student who failed pre-calculus, then was moved up to calculus AB uh, in honors in high school. And it was kind of a a laugh when the news actually came down that Steve Kime chose him to lead the Cardinals from what was a god-awful 14.1 point per game uh, output with Steve Wilkes in 2018. So we thought it was going to be much of the same just with – more abs and more passing and less defense and running the ball, which which is what they got from Steve Wilkes. What we've seen is Kyler Murray and he are a unit that can work in the NFL. That's something that we found over the last however many games, over the last 24 games. And Cliff is about 500 as a head coach. And 
when people talk about Sean McVay and Jared Goff, they say Jared Goff will win because of Sean McVay. I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury will win because of Kyler Murray. So it's kind of flipped. Kyler's making Cliff look a little bit better of a head coach than maybe he is. But from what we've seen in year one to year two, it seems like he's taking this more seriously as a boss and not as a player's coach. He was known for bringing out fruit and everything and and having these guys have huge breaks during training camp and they could eat whatever they wanted. They could chill and you'd have the cell phone breaks during uh, during meetings. Cliff Kingsbury is taken more seriously now as a head coach, in my opinion. And that's something that organically happens when things start to turn in a positive direction. Them winning five games last year and week one, first half, I talk about it a lot on this podcast, Cliff Kingsbury said he thought he was going to get fired at halftime, week one against Detroit. When they came back, that was all Kyler Murray, and they ended up tying that game, and the rest has moved on in more of a positive direction than what we saw in 2018. Scheme-wise, that's the big bugaboo at this point. Play calling. Sometimes you think maybe he'd be better off as the Arizona Cardinals offensive coordinator and quarterback guru and having another you know adult in the room doing the day-to-day workings as a head coach. We've seen brilliance, and we've seen ineptitude with play calling this year. It's like watching, I don't know, a full series of a TV show every game where you get just a bunch of stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense, but it's all under the same umbrella. And then sometimes you see incredible play calling, seven or eight plays in a row, which lead to a touchdown. So there are still several question marks surrounding what Cliff Kingsbury is as a head coach, but it's becoming more clear that he's more competent at this level than maybe he was giving credit for when he was hired. Well, and I'll say, I mean, five and three right now, I think the offense is better this year. The defense is better this year. So it it certainly feels from the outside looking in that things are on the upward tick. Bo, I've got one for you. I want to hear you talk about Kyler Murray. I mean, this guy's been extremely productive this year as a passer and a runner. I think he's on pace for like 1,100 rushing yards. And we all know that running quarterbacks like that that can throw like he does are a load to deal with in the NFL. So break him down for us. And what do you think are some of the keys if you were trying to craft a game plan to slow down Kyler? Yeah, you talked about it a little bit when uh, you had your own thoughts on Kyler Murray. I thought they were pretty, they were pretty on point as far as what, you know, Dallas was able to do to make him ineffective and inaccurate passer. And um, Kyler Murray's exceeded expectations and there were probably unfair expectations that people were throwing around in the offseason just because he was following the blueprint of second year signal callers that have had so much success in this league it's your back-to-back mvps it's patrick mahomes it's lamar jackson and i thought it was unfair to say hey he can be that guy i thought he could beat deshaun watson i thought he could be carson Wentz. i thought he could be russell wilson all those guys had fantastic second seasons you know to say they're gonna be the most valuable player in this league, it's unfair. It's unfair to put that on a guy who's got one year of starting experience at the NFL level. He had one year of starting experience at the college level, so he's still relatively green, but he is he's that type of player. He's on that level, and he's shown that so far. 24 total touchdowns. He's doing it with his arm, you know, according to Pro Football Focus. You know, in a clean pocket, he had the highest passer rating, and uh, as far as get doing it with his legs, which has been made him so dynamic this season, it was almost like he was, it was almost like 
Cliff Kingsbury had the keys to a Corvette, and he was only taking it out in the parking lot last season and being very careful. This year, he's letting Kyler Murray go, and he's just, especially in the red zone, he's getting it done with his legs. I mean, we've already seen Kyler Murray find the end zone eight times, uh, and, and that's just through eight games. So he's he's finding the end zone once a game. And uh, But as far as throwing the ball, we knew that the arm talent was there, uh, and, and we're seeing him have a big-time connection with Christian Kirk. We'd like to see him develop and get back to the rapport that he had earlier this season with DeAndre Hopkins. It's just Kyler Murray can beat you in so many ways. The thing is, and I think this is probably similar in Buffalo, is if Kyler Murray, you know, struggles, so does the offense. You know, we'll see if Kenyon Drake is is able, is able to go this weekend coming from a high ankle sprain. Chase Edmonds, the running back, had an opportunity last week, and he brushed for under three yards per carry. So the Cardinals, uh, it, they're dependent in both, you know, aspects of their offense in passing the ball and running the ball on their quarterback in Kyler Murray. And that's not necessarily a good way to make a living, but Kyler Murray is playing at an exceptionally high level right now and slowing him down. You know, it, it, I think the best way to do it is contain him. Don't let him get out and run and make him scan the field, go through his progressions because he seems to get happy feet. He seems to be a little in it, more inaccurate than he is when he's just reacting. Yeah, definitely a tough task. And I, I mean, I've watched him play so much and I keep thinking, man, he looks like a little pesky guy to deal with. And he's so dynamic. So we'll see how the Bills do on Sunday against him. Alex, I want to learn some things about this uh, Cardinals defense compared to last season. I think they've taken a major step forward and maybe that's putting it lightly because they, I think they were 32 in defense last year. So they had nowhere to go, but, but up, but I mean, they're, they're playing, I think at least at a respectable level, tell us what the strengths and the weaknesses are of the Arizona Cardinals defense. Well, it starts with the, the eyes in the sky, Buda Baker, like when, when Buda Baker got that big deal, um, Bo and I came on and, and Bo, correct me if I'm wrong here. We were surprised. Like, we saw a huge jump from when he was drafted his rookie year until now before the season started. Like, he showed flashes. It was done. It was on primetime TV. He hit George Kittle twice, harder than we thought he was able to hit. Buda Baker, I've interviewed him a couple times. He's not a big dude, but he's a missile. Like, it's, it's, I'm surprised with what we've seen so far this year. And, and obviously, not anymore, but when he, when he missed the Carolina game, it was one of those like, oh wow, they really miss Buda Baker that much. He really means that much. He's really the anchor to this defense. I didn't see that coming. And he comes back, you know, he has the massive hit on Monday Night Football. He's got the pick where he got, you know, he's he's a meme lord now with he and DK Metcalf. <laughs> but it really starts with him. And and a uh, just a theme of this offseason was. Yeah, Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones are great, but they're not getting any younger. Who's going to take over the mantle? Who's going to be the new young pillar anchor of this defense? And I think an unadulterated answer at this point is Buda Baker. He's been a great surprise. Now, with Chandler Jones out, that's where it's gotten trickier. And Vance Joseph has harnessed something that, again, something that surprises me and I think surprises Bo, his blitz packages with guys that aren't linebackers, Byron Murphy, Buda Baker. I mean, yes, and you have guys like Hassan Reddick, who was almost out on the streets, was almost jobless, and now has five sacks, I believe, through eight games. His packages to surprise the opposing offensive line and quarterbacks uh, has been incredible to watch so far. 
And that's something that really surprised me with this defense because, you know, when Chandler Jones goes out, he's arguably the best pass rusher, sacks-wise at least, over the last several seasons since he joined the Cardinals, even though he doesn't get the national notoriety for it. Those two things together have really surprised me, and that's been the anchor of this defense so far, even though they've been shorthanded. I have a follow-up for you, Alex, because just kind of digging into this Cardinals defense, I, I noticed that they are blitzing on 40% of passing attempts. That's fifth most in the NFL. Is it a little bit live and die by the blitz? Because another metric that stands out to me is they're giving up 1,100 yards so far after the catch this year. That's sixth most in the NFL. They have 63 missed tackles, but then they're so good in the red zone, right? They're only giving up a touchdown on 50% of the trips that the opposition makes it to the red zone. That's third best in the NFL. I mean, do those numbers tell a story here or am I off base? No, they do, but I think it's more of a they're trying to figure out what their identity is. Cuz Vance Joseph was like we are not far removed from 2018 when Mike McCoy got fired mid-season after a blowout loss. I think it was both 45-10, is that right? To to Denver on Thursday night football at home. Mike McCoy mm-hmm. was gone. So people are now looking for the next scapegoat when things don't go well. And Vance Joseph was the leader in the clubhouse after year one. But they're still trying to figure out an identity. They're still trying to figure out with the new pieces of Devondre Campbell, Devon Kennard, uh, Jordan Phillips in the middle, which I'm sure you'll ask us about later. Um, They're still trying to figure out what their strengths are. And when you lose arguably the best pass rush you have, and I don't think it's arguably in Chandler Jones, it's just trying to figure out how to survive week to week and exploit weaknesses from the opposing offenses. And I think that's where they are. The red zone defense, listen, I don't know. This defense wasn't good last year, and they're good this year. Like, sometimes you just figure out an elixir. Sometimes you just have that trust that you didn't necessarily have in 2019 because trust is, I mean, defense is pretty much mm-hmm. predicated upon trust and instinct. And that's what defense is. And obviously a lot of game film. And they've... They've catapulted up the rankings so far this year, and if they can hold on to that, they could be a real team that can make some real noise in the NFC playoffs this year. Let's get one more in here on this Cardinals defense, and I want to focus in on Jordan Phillips. This one's for Bo, and you know Jordan Phillips, obviously former Buffalo Bill, he was a heavily debated guy when it came to keeping him or letting him walk, and obviously the Bills let him walk. He signs three years, $30 million in Arizona, and the, the conversation amongst Bill's Mafia was, well, I don't think he's a very good run defender, but he brings so much energy to the unit. You see him just, I mean, he's hyping up the fans. He's, you can tell he brings some juice to the table. But then he gets the nine and a half sacks, but you're like, yeah, like his pressure to sack rate is like not sustainable. Like he doesn't get that much pressure. It seems like every time he does get pressure, he gets a sack. What are you seeing so far from Jordan Phillips, a, a polarizing departure, if you will, when it comes to the Buffalo defense? Yeah, and I get it, Joe. And when we talked about this in the offseason in a crossover edition of, uh, of of the podcast, you, you mentioned it. And a lot of it remains true about Jordan Phillips. But also, as, as much as that's, there's truth behind that, that he's a part-time player and he's probably most effective when he's playing, you know, around 40% of the snaps or even below that to really harness all that energy that he brings, mm-hmm. um, they overpaid for him. Right. And I mean, it's going to be, it's a, it's not going to affect him this year, but next season he's going to hold, you know, the $10 million for a guy that's going to play, you know, probably less than part-time, but you know, Alex mentioned how bad this defense was last season and, and general manager, Steve Kime was consumed. That's the word he used consumed 
with retooling this defense, rebuilding this defense. And I mean, you know that on the NFL free agent market, I mean, if, if guys are good, if they're worth it, they're locked up to extensions. And then there's, you know, these guys like Jordan Phillips, where teams are trying to figure out, do we pay him? Do we pick up the tab and, and lock him in and guaranteed money? And, you know, they, the bills figured that it was probably not the right move for their franchise going forward. You know, they've got to pay Josh Allen here pretty soon. So I think that the bills were probably right in letting Jordan Phillips walk, but then the Cardinals weren't wrong for signing him. And I, earlier in the season, Joe, I thought that Bill Barnwell, the uh, scribe for ESPN.com owed the Cardinals an apology for how he kind of crushed them for the signing and how he crushed them for Devondre Campbell and how he crushed them for Devon Kennard because Steve Kime had to think outside the box and how he was going to rebuild this defense. And he had to overpay. He had to overpay to bring in talent. And uh, Jordan Phillips earlier in the season, he's, he made a big impact. He made a big play on a fourth down play, fourth and goal against the Niners. And it changed the, the way that game went. And, uh, you know, it also him, you know, us not calling his name or picking up on Jordan Phillips the last couple games, it might coincide with him losing his father. I don't know. Or if it's just him settling in, getting too comfortable. We'll see. Uh, but he, I, I think he's been a worthy of, of the contract. I understood it. You know, next week, it, our next season, it might hurt a little bit. But he's kind of fit the bill as far as what the Cardinals needed. They were so barren as far as that cupboard, especially on the defensive line, that uh, he was a necessary signing. I think he's been good. You know that he can flash. It's not as the consistency that you want, but uh, the Cardinals just needed a warm body and a guy that could potentially make plays here and there. And he's, he's done that. I'm sure he'll be juiced up for Sunday going up against his former team. Last one I have for you guys. I'll, I'll send this to Alex. When you think about this matchup specifically with the bills from a Cardinals perspective, what are some of the X factors that come to mind that you think are going to be critical on Sunday? The secondary. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's such a drop-off, I guess, at least last week, because Byron Murphy was out uh, due to COVID protocol. Uh, Patrick Peterson has been two-faced on the field, not personally, but we've seen greatness from Patrick Peterson, and we've seen a listless performance as well. just depends on which one you're going to get on which day. They have one of the better safety tandems in the NFL with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, even though a lot of people don't know about Jalen Thompson. Cardinals took him out of the supplemental draft a couple years ago out of Wazoo. Uh Josh Allen and the, and these wide receivers. I've harped on this this week when Bo and I have talked. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and John Brown are a nightmare trio for this secondary, for for the for these DBs. And it's not because they're top five wide receivers. It's not because they're the best route runners in the world, even though Stephon Diggs may be. It's the fact that they can exploit any hole in any defense which with a run five yards, turn around, and explode. And John Brown is more of a deep threat. Stephon Diggs is a perfect mix between Cole Beasley and John Brown on both sides of the spectrum. These wide receivers scare me more than anything else. It's not that it's Josh Allen. Any You put any capable quarterback back there with this offensive scheme and those three wide receivers, scared. Scared, scared, scared. I mean, they could explode through this secondary, in my opinion. I don't think I'm overstating this. Bo may not agree with me, but um, I think these wide receivers are very, very scary for this secondary having to go up against them on Sunday.
Gentlemen, I just I enjoyed this discussion. It seems like we have a lot of good mutual respect based on the challenges that each team uh, represents on Sunday. So it should be a good one, and I appreciate a good discussion about this football game. We do, too, here at Locked on Cardinals. Thanks, Joe Marino of Locked on Bills. Tomorrow, Bo and I will continue the discussion and give our predictions ahead of Sunday's matchup between the Cardinals and the Bills. We'll talk. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.